0: You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Okay, so we're going to go right on over to Chapter 6. and uh, In Chapter 6, you know, it starts out, you have those titles, and, and keep in mind always that the titles and the chapters were put in later. They weren't, they're not originally, and the Holy Spirit didn't put those in there, But but it does help us. And, um, so we know that, uh, uh, Jesus is up in the area of Galilee and he's preaching and teaching and, um, and as he's out there and it's nearing the, the, the time of the Passover again, remember John's the one that lets us know how many Passovers. So how many years Jesus' ministry was and in verse five, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip. Where shall we buy bread for those people to eat? He asked us only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I I love this because you get this little insight from John. By now, John's figured Jesus out. He doesn't really want an answer to these questions. Those questions are for us, is basically what he's saying. He asks these questions just so we'll stop and think, and we'll figure out what is he pointing out. And that's true. Anytime Jesus asks a question, ask yourself why is he asking this question? What is he drawing out at us? Um, and of course, Philip answers him. It would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. I mean, it's a big crowd. This is a lot of people. And and Philip's like, look, if I it take me six months' wages to buy enough food for all these people. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will it go? How far will they go among so many? You know, he points out the obvious, and um, and we're about to have a big lesson from Jesus, right? Um, then Jesus says, have the people sit down, and there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About five thousand men were there. So I've heard all kinds of estimates from. If there were five thousand men, there's probably ten thousand women, you know. And and if there's five thousand men, there's at least five thousand women and probably another five thousand kids. To now, it's only the men that would go off traveling like this, and very few women. I don't buy that one. So it's it's a it's just to say it's a huge crowd, right? And because even six months' wages, that's a lot of money. I mean, think about what you make in a year. Cut that in half and trying to feed how many people would that feed, you know that's this this is a very large crowd, so he has them all sit down, and uh, then in verse twelve we'll pick up in 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 verse uh, twelve. He says when they had when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I mean, think about this. This is, I love this scene because, you know, the people are hungry and, you know, Jesus is out to feed them. They start out with five barley loaves and two small fish. Well, the first and most obvious lesson is with Jesus, even with a little, he can do great things. Even with a little, great things can happen. And that's an important lesson. That's Jesus, right? Even with a little, great things can happen. And then it's, but the big lesson too is he tells them to go pick up the leftovers. Now that's really interesting. He doesn't say the people pick up your leftovers. He has the apostles go out with 12 baskets and they fill them up. I mean, you know that lesson just burned in their minds forever. Here's a little, here's a little guy with a little plate with a few pieces of fish and a few loaves, and they're picking up basketfuls of leftovers. I love that. What talk about a visual lesson, a very just in-your-face, obvious lesson. That wow, there's there, there's there's more leftovers than there were what we started with. So what a, what a great what a what a great lesson of life that would teach them and probably stay with them the rest of their lives they would always remember that as long as we have Jesus, we've got everything we need. as long as Jesus is behind it, we're going to be fine. The Lord will provide you know that's that's just an age-old lesson and it's such an important one to learn as disciples that we trust God the Lord will provide the Lord will provide and he provided. And after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, notice they call it a sign. They, they, these miracles, they're all signs showing us who he is, right? After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. You know, Jesus hes with the crowd. He knows what they're up to. He knows He knows us. He knows people. They're going to get all worked up and they're going to try to force him to be the king and try to make him a king now, which is not what he wanted. That's not his plan. Yeah, it'd be a way to glorify him. Yeah, it'd be a way to hold him up, but it wasn't his plan. And, you know, even even a good intentioned plan that is not what God's plan is, is a bad plan. Just because we have good hearts, just because we have good intentions, doesn't make it okay to do whatever we want. We have to always make sure our plans line up with what Jesus is doing, what God's trying to do. It's very important to to get that. And and what does Jesus do? Well, he goes off to a mountain uh, by himself. You know, I mean, Jesus has been teaching, he's been giving, he's been healing, he's been serving, he's been doing so much. And this is really a remarkable example here. He goes off by himself. All of us need that time. We all need time just with the Lord. Just me and God. Just you and God. Why do we need that time? Because every once in a while we have to just shut out everything else and make it silent. And it's just us and God. And there are things that you will hear only in those times when it's just you and the Lord. And there are things that you will learn only in those times when you, in a sense, you, you you cut out or you shut out all the peripheral noise. It's so important. I mean, Jesus, he actually did this regularly. The Bible says he'd get up early in the mornings. That's usually, you know, for me, I have to get up super early to have that time. I have to get up at five or the latest six o'clock in the morning to be able to get up and just the house is quiet. The dogs are asleep, the family's asleep, and I can just, I can have my coffee, read my Bible, I can get on my knees, I can get on my face and pray or do whatever I want to, whatever I need to, and I just need that time with the Lord. If Jesus needed that time with God, surely I do, right? And if I need it, we all need it because no sin is uncommon to man, right? We all have the same needs. We need that time with the Lord. And I think that's such a great example. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, I'm in verse uh, 14 now. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing what they intended. Oh, I already read that part. Sorry. Uh, so I'll keep reading. Verse 16. When the evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. So they, go, they, they, they head back to town, right? And they're in the boat. And of course, um, Jesus is up on the mountain, and and then um, I'm going to jump forward because there's a lot of good stuff in this chapter, and I, I want to be able to get to it uh, before we run out of time. Um, verse 25. When they found him, when they found him on the le- other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate. And the loaves and the loaves and had your fill, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you for on him God the Father has placed all his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what does what must we do to do the works of God requires to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, "The work of God is this: to believe." and the one He has sent. This is this is really important because there's several things here that I think are very significant that we have to note and understand about Jesus. Is is um, we've all we we understand from Scripture that God saves us, God rescues us. We don't save ourselves, and we don't rescue ourselves. God rescues us. And so we have to turn to God, rely on him. And how do we turn to God? Well, we follow Jesus. And how do we obey God? Well, by obeying Jesus. Jesus was sent to save us, right? Sent to teach us. We have to believe in him. And, and they ask, well, what work or what is it that God wants us to do? Well, what he wants you to do, Jesus says, is to put your faith in Jesus, right? To believe In the one he sent. Okay, and this is that word pisteo, right? This is is that, that word that's just more than an intellectual, oh yes, I believe that's Jesus. But it's faith. It's to put your trust in him. It's to put your hope in him. It's to be loyal to him. It's to rely on him. So this is the work of God. Now that's important. One, so you know exactly what is God asking you to do. What does God want us to do? He wants us to trust Jesus, to believe in him, to rely on him, to put our faith in him, to put our hope in him. What does that mean practically? That means that whatever we do, we try to do whatever Jesus said to do. That if, 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 if as you build your family, you try to build it the way Jesus would. As you build a marriage or a relationship or even a friendship, you do it as Jesus would. So if I sin against my friend, I apologize. If I owe somebody an apology, I apologize to them. I love everybody. I try to serve. I try to give. I try to be like Jesus in all situations. That's what it means. This is the work of Jesus, he says. And the other thing, too, is that there's there's a, a, uh, a false teaching that has crept into popular Christianity. And that is that you don't do anything, that God does everything for your salvation. And that is not entirely true. There is something that God expects from you. And that is what we just read, to put your faith in Jesus. That's the work of the Lord. And and people people are very, because of the Protestant versus Catholic, there's, there's this whole thing about you know work salvation you can't earn your salvation if if you believe you have to do stuff then you're trying to earn your salvation that that's a bunch of garbage i mean there are people who do that there are people who try to earn their salvation by doing good deeds and they think if i do a bunch of good deeds then i'll earn my way to heaven the fact is if you sin you've shut yourself out of heaven and and all the good deeds in the world aren't going to pay for your sins only jesus can pay for your sins only Jesus going to a cross pays for your sin, not all the good deeds you do. So that is true. You cannot earn your way to heaven. However, God does expect us to do something, and that is put our faith in Jesus. And that's really important because sometimes people people get, oh, no, no, nothing you do. And, and the problem is, is it only takes one more step, and then you're saying you can do whatever you want and still go to heaven. And there are a lot of people who believe that. That you can just do whatever you want. And no, don't, don't let anybody judge your Christianity. Don't let anybody tell you if you're not or not. You know, you are or aren't. The Bible tells us to test ourselves. To see if we're in the faith. Make sure we're doing this. So it is important. Not that, you know, if I do all this and check, 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 I get to go to heaven. No, what's going to get you to go to heaven, what's going to pay your way is Jesus dying on the cross. But there is something you got to do. If I buy you a vacation to Spain, and I pay for the airline, the hotel, the food, the transportation, everything. It's a free vacation. That doesn't mean you don't have to do anything. You still got to go down the airport and get on the plane. You still got to walk to the gate ticket. You still got to get in your seat. You still got to go there. There's things you got to do. You don't just magically appear in Spain. It's the same thing with salvation. Yeah, Jesus pays for it all. He pays the price. But you still got to respond. You still have to react to the cross. You have to give your life over because you believe in Him. So this is really, really important, and it gets more important as we get through this chapter because um, the people ask him, "What sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do?" And 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 they start asking him, and he says. Verse 32, he says, Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. So he, he's making it very clear. He is the father's will. He is the one sent by God. He's the one that we need to, to go and find. And, um, and they're, they're kind of arguing with him and he really challenges them. We're going to jump forward. I don't have time to go through all the, the, the verses, um, here, but in, in 53, this is where he gets really intense. Verse 53, he says, very truly, I tell you, okay. And, And understand, if you notice, these these discourses keep starting with truly, I tell you, or very truly, I tell you, And, and it's because the way he says it emphatically, this is the truth. I am telling you the truth. I'm giving you the truth. I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Now, I want you to stop for a second and think about this. These are Jews. Jews don't even, they they don't eat meat with blood in it because it's forbidden to drink blood. So all their food is drained of blood. That's what makes the meat kosher, right? It's drained of blood, it's blessed. And here he's saying not only to drink the blood, but to drink his blood. How bizarre does this sound? I mean, he's saying stuff that it just sounds very bizarre. Now, the context is he's telling them, I am the bread of life. I am the body, right? I am the one. And then he's, he takes it a notch higher, says, lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And and he he alludes to, now we know, right? He's talking about communion. But he doesn't say that here. He doesn't say that here. He doesn't really explain it. He does explain his how he's the bread from God, but he doesn't, he does, he's not talking about communion. Well, communion's coming. He says, Your answer man and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is verse 58. Now I'm in verse 59. He said this while teaching in the synagogue. Capernaum. So what he's saying sounds crazy. Now listen, look at their response in verse 60. In verse 60 says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? There are times where God says things or Jesus says things that are hard teachings. We just we scratch our head, we're like, What? Really? Whoa. They challenge us. They challenge our thinking. He didn't explain what he meant by drink his blood and eat his flesh. I mean, that's pretty radical. That's pretty kind of gross, you know. And he doesn't explain it. And so on hearing it, a lot of people disagreed, of course. And they're asking another rhetorical question. Who can accept this? Who, Who would accept this teaching? Would somebody who just shows up to watch miracles accept it? Probably not. Would somebody who just shows up for the free bread and the free fish? Probably not. Who would accept this? Only somebody who really believes he's the Messiah. Who really believes he is the bread of life. That he is God in the flesh. And it says in verse 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? You know, he, <laughs> when he sees them grumbling and getting mad about what he said, he doesn't give in and say, oh, I'm sorry. Did I insult you? Let me, let me explain what I mean. Nope. he says, does this offend you? He, he, he challenges them again. Why is he asking this? He's challenging their hearts. How much do they really believe? And he says, Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, and this flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. You know, it's, it's Jesus just keeps pushing them, pushing them, challenging them. Verse 66, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You know most of the time people are trying to get as many followers as they can see how popular you know you know we 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 want we want a lot of followers on 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 uh Facebook or a lot of followers on Twitter or a lot of followers you know whatever social media we use we want to get lots and lots of followers Jesus would periodically do the opposite he'd run off most of his followers he'd say something without explaining it Something that only somebody who really believed that he was the son of God, that he was God in the flesh, that he's the Messiah, would stick around. In verse sixty-six, and it's it's infamous. It's also you know I always noted that it's six six six, right? Chapter six, verse sixty-six. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. A lot of people turned away. Jesus wasn't worried about being popular. He wasn't trying to be popular. He was being truthful. And he was trying to teach people the way it really is. And he says, and 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 instead of being worried about the apostles leaving, whom he'd poured a lot of time and energy into, he turned around verse 67 says, you don't want to leave too, do you? <laughs> Which, I mean, it's basically, that's like saying, guys, here's the door. You want to go? Go. And, 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 the, what i love about this whole scene is peter's response because you got to understand you got to remember peter wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed he 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 oftentimes misunderstood jesus he oftentimes said the wrong thing and got in trouble he he oftentimes blew it what i love about the gospel is how real they are that that they're very honest and clearly these guys didn't write them because Alone because they would have covered up all those mistakes. And Peter, classic Peter, doesn't understand what's going on. But but what he does understand is who is Jesus. And look at his response. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe. In other words, we, we have faith. And to know that you are the Holy One of God. Love that response. Jeez, where are we going? I mean, we don't understand what you're saying, but we're with you because of who you are. You know, you remember what I've said in the past in in these lessons about remembering that God is good. I may not understand everything. I don't know why babies get cancer. I don't know why that. But I know that God is good. And I know that, he will take whatever evil in this world and he'll make good out of it. And he'll have his reasons that maybe he'll explain to me when I die. And hopefully when I get to heaven, I can ask, Lord willing, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I know that for now I'm on a need-to-know basis. He tells me what I need to know. No more, no less. And I don't need to understand everything. But I do. what I do need to understand is that Jesus is Lord. That he is God in the flesh. That he loves me. He has the power to overcome death. And so he's the one I need to be with. That I understand. So we don't always understand everything Jesus says. There are things that I understood after 10 years of being a Christian. There are things I understood after 20 years of being a Christian. There are things I still don't understand. But I know I'll get it someday. And if not, that's okay too. Because I know that Jesus is Lord, and that he loves me and cares about me. So Jesus, what was he trying to do? He was trying to make real followers, real disciples. He wasn't just trying to be popular. He wasn't just trying to draw large crowds. And in fact, what you see is a pattern. when you draw a large crowd, he would do something to shake it up and drive half of them off. Because he was getting down to the real believers, the ones who have faith in him. That's the kingdom of God. Those are his people. And the rest, maybe they're there because they want to see the miracles. Maybe they're there because they're hungry and they want some food. Maybe they're just curious. Those people don't pass any test. They easily drop away. They easily fall away. They easily walk away. But the real ones, the real disciples, through thick and thin, they stick with Jesus. Not that they don't make mistakes. I mean, I've made my mistakes. But I know this, when I make a mistake, I need to confess it, repent, and get back to Jesus. And he's always waiting for me. He's always there waiting for me. Just like he was waiting for Peter when Peter denied him. He's right there. And that's the way Jesus is. And that's his heart. And he challenged them. He challenged them to stick with him, even when they don't understand. So we'll stop there. We're pretty much finished with chapter 6. And we'll start Chapter 7 on the next study. Thanks for being together with us. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.